much trash do you generate in a year? Today's guest heretic, Catherine Kellogg, will teach us a thing or two about the simple steps we can take to minimize the impact of our actions on soil and waterways. We'll compare long and short-term costs of our decisions and take the romance out of minimalist living while keeping the extra cash we save in our pockets. That's coming up today on the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. Meet Gina. Gina wanted to lose weight, so she spent two years fasting, detoxing, and dabbling with vegan diets while practicing a shit ton of yoga to lose 25 pounds, but it took so long that nobody noticed. Then, Gina started Frenching her food by eating fatty cheeses, butter, sausages, and red meat, and lost 15 more pounds in only two months. Everybody noticed this time. Frenching your food unlocks the riddle of weight loss that skinny French chicks use to slim down, look young, and live longer despite doing everything wrong. Be like Gina. Start Frenching your food today by visiting nutritionheretic.com forward slash Frenching. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. <laughs> it's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well-being. Aloha and welcome back to the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. This is Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic, coming to you from the big island of Hawaii. Um, you know, living on an island, uh, we become more and more aware of what is you know, uh, important to our environment. Uh, there's a lot of talk about keeping... Um, the ocean's clean, keeping the land clean. Um, if you've been following anything in the news and you know about the uh, issues going on on Mauna Kea, uh, which is uh, where the telescopes are, there's a lot of pollution issues with um, the groundwater being polluted and now, you know, trickling down to us. But also, um, you know, when before I moved to Hawaii, but it was when I came on a visit, it was the first time that I had really heard about this island, this continent of floating rubbish out at sea. It's, it's reportedly the size of Australia. And that's incredibly disturbing. Um, I'm sure that uh, many of you have seen pictures or video of uh, sea turtles having uh, straws and other plastics removed from, you know, their, their nasal cavities and so on, or, uh, you know, other wildlife um, out at sea being choked by those holders, you know, the, the six pack holders. Uh, and it's, it's really disturbing. And on top of it, you know, we here, um, on the big Island have 
had a controversy over styrofoam where some legislators do not want to ban styrofoam of all things. Um, it's, you know, and then they, then they campaign on saying that they wanted to ban styrofoam and that they, they initiated the act. Um, but, you know, seriously, um, you know, when you, you know, we, we know that this is something that doesn't break down. It pollutes the oceans. It pollutes, um, it just, it just doesn't break down. They're like, you know, what, what are we going to do with this mountain of, of styrofoam? Um, and, you know, we need to start thinking about our future. And especially if we have kids, you know, what's their future going to look like? Uh, if you know anyone who's gone to, say, Indonesia, uh, and, you know, they expect it to be on these, you know, beautiful beaches in Bali, uh, they, these beaches are the one thing that we know now about these beaches in, in Asia, particularly in, in Indonesia, a lot of people talk about is, uh, just the amount of garbage. Like, you know, people in those cultures, they don't necessarily go to the beach the same way perhaps Europeans do or Americans do. But, um, they're, so, you know, this plastic, the styrofoam, all of these things that don't break down become rubbish on the beaches. And, you know, how, how sad is that? So today's guest is, um, Catherine Kellogg. She is the owner of goingzerowaste.com. And welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so tell me, Catherine, what was your aha moment about waste, about what plastic does? Well, to really get to my aha moment, we kind of have to rewind a little bit. When I was in college, I had a breast cancer scare, and it really made me question a lot of the products I was using in my daily life. And I started by trying to balance my hormones, and plastic is a known endocrine disruptor. And endocrine disruptors can be found in a lot of things like beauty products, cleaning products, receipts. Did you know that it's suggested that pregnant women not even touch receipts because it can transfer, the BPA can transfer into your skin in less than eight seconds? Yeah, I I have heard that actually. Um, You know, is it, does it depend on the type of receipt? Is it those, the the ones that kind of, the, the ink vanishes over time? Yeah. So it's um I have really yet to find non-thermally printed receipts. You can tell because if you take the receipt and you scratch it with your fingernail, it'll leave a dark mark. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I was trying to phase all of these things out of my life and when I moved to California, I saw the plastic and trash all over the streets and being so close to the ocean it all clicked for me that waste plastic isn't just a problem for our personal health it's also a problem for the planet right right and um you know how did you how did you make that shift like what did it take because i think a lot of people they look around you know just i mean for crying out loud you look (laughs) anywhere in in our environment right from our clothing to uh you know the bathroom like where do we begin what you know, you know, like, you know, like it's, it seems so monumental. And I know that you have some challenges on your website, but you know, it does seem so monumental. Like where do, where do we start? Where's the one place that we can start and make the, the most impact? So for me, when I first started, you know, it was really, really slow and it was me slowly learning new things. And now I feel like people just are immediately hit with information overload And they do, they have that reaction, like, where do I even begin? And 
I recommend that everyone start with the big four because they are four items that are easily, easily swapped out. And it doesn't take a lot of time because everyone's fears are that it's going to waste money and that it's going to waste time. And I promise it does neither of those things. So the big four are say no to straws. Mm -hmm. Super simple. Bring your own reusable water bottle with you when you leave the house. I recommend an insulated water bottle because insulated water bottles keep drinks hot and cold. So that brings me to number three, which is avoid plastic coffee cups. So the coffee cups you get for hot coffee are actually lined with plastic, which many people don't realize. Mm -hmm. They're not recyclable. And so if you have that insulated water bottle on you, you can just pour your any leftover water out. You can hand your bottle to the barista, and the barista will make your coffee or put your coffee into that bottle so you don't have to carry around a whole bunch of stuff. And some places are giving discounts for that too, aren't they? They're really, oh, yeah. they're incentivizing us to bring our own, you know, sometimes, you know, here in town, we just bring our own mug from the house, you know, <laughs> and, they, and you know, they'll, they'll knock 50 cents or dollar, depending on what it is off. Wow. That's way more than uh, I've heard of, but yeah, I mean, Starbucks only gives five cents, but still five cents is five cents. <laughs> yeah. It, it adds up. Well, I mean, you know, it's a neighborhood place and you know, some of us are kind of trolls. We were there <laughs> so much. <laughs> they might as well, like we're a part of the decor now. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and the fourth one is, of course, bring your own bags to the grocery store. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, the straws and actually any of this, you know, there's I'm not saying that this isn't good, but okay. uh, I, I, I uh, in in Vietnam, because I was in Vietnam last year and I'm part of all these different groups now that involve Vietnam. And somebody was uh, in there talking about uh, stainless steel straws that her company makes. Mm -hmm. And someone came in to argue, uh, because that's what the internet apparently was designed for. Uh, <laughs> but he came in to argue with her about, um, you know, more energy needing to be expended to create this metal straw versus you, in his case, he was talking about using paper straws. Uh, what is, you know, is, are we paying the price somewhere else when we purchase some of these? you know, non-disposable solutions? Absolutely. So a paper bag is three times more energy intensive than a plastic bag. And a reusable bag is around 500 times more intensive. Mm. But the thing is, well, that, that gets into re So this is kind of less about zero waste and more about resource production, which is, oh man, there's so much to talk about right now. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. But, but yes, so we have to look at the big picture. And that's something that's incredibly important. A lot of people hear the word zero waste, and they immediately think zero to landfill. And that's mm -hmm. not really what it means. While that's true, it is about zero to landfill. It's about resource production. And it's about moving from a linear economy, what we're currently in, a linear economy extracts resources from the ground, creates products, throws them away in a giant hole in the ground. Sounds kind of silly, right? Yeah. We are the only creature in nature that produces trash. It is not anywhere else, which is just like mind blowing. And because nature works on a circular model, a circular economy, mm -hmm. and like a tree, when it drops acorns, that's not trash, it composts, it goes back to the earth, it right. grows more trees, it feeds squirrels, it has so many other uses. And so it's about us, human nature, moving to this circular system. So that way we pull resources, create products, and then once they're through, we can fully resume them back into the system to make sure that they're fully used. Right. And so when we talk about 
reusable products like bags or coffee cups or stainless steel straws. It's important that we're looking at the full lifespan of that product. And we also have to change the consumer mindset because if you go out and buy a brand new canvas tote every time you go shopping, then that kind of defeats the purpose. You should have your canvas tote and you should be reusing it over and over and over and over again until it cannot be used anymore. And then if it's cotton, then you can turn it into rags. You cut it up and then you can reuse those rags until they're no longer usable. And then at the very end of its life, you can compost it to ideally turn it into soil to be able to grow more cotton to create more bags. Right, right. Yeah, um, it's funny that you mentioned the thing about the bags because just before you said that, I was thinking about the fact that many of these bags have become uh, almost collector's items. You know, (laughs) have you seen this? Like, you know, they're making some of them so attractive that people just kind of go around and they just buy more bags all the time instead of carrying their own. Um, You know, and I mean, on the one hand, yes, it's nice that they're making a stylish bag, but then, you know, how many do we need? Um, and, and it's tricky to, to get that. Now, you know, because we know of uh, certain things, like you say, you, you know, we talked about, look, you just mentioned the cotton bags. Uh, is there anything that we need to worry about? And I guess, it, I guess if maybe this isn't a non-issue because when uh, manufacturers or you say a store is making, let's take Whole Foods, you know, they're making these canvas bags uh, for their shoppers. And, you know, are they using ink that you don't mind going into your soil? You know, how many of these do we have to worry about, uh, you know, whatever c- colorant they're using uh, becoming a, a different source of estrogens or, or what have you? Yeah, that's a whole nother issue, especially when it comes to clothing, toxic dyes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because my, my daughter, she, she's notorious for, she wants to dress in all these pretty things and then she rips a hole in it. So now, right now I've got a, a skirt, a full length skirt and a set of a pair of leggings that are sitting on my, uh, my uh, little day bed trying to figure out what the heck to do with them because I don't want to put them in my soil. <laughs> they're, you know, they're flaming pink. I don't want to put them in my soil. Uh, probably going to cut them up and use them as, as rags. You know, we have animals and stuff. So, you know, probably going to end up being shredded up for bedding or something. Um, but, you know, what, what do we do? Like, when, when do we kind of say enough is enough? You know, like, I can't take that t- with the holes in it to the, to the uh, thrift shop. You know, they're going to reject it. Right. So for me, when it comes to buying clothing, I definitely try to find pieces. I look for pieces that are going to last a really long time. I try to look for natural fibers. I personally like color. So I have quite a few very colorful pieces. So I try to opt for non-toxic dyes when I'm purchasing new. It's one of those things where it's just not perfect. So you just try to do the best that you can. Right. Well, I think that's that's a good point that you make, too, because um, it's easy to allow ourselves to become a little neurotic about this. Uh, but you're not, that's not what you're going for. You're just trying to bring a, a certain level of consciousness about what we consume, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not about being perfect. It's just about trying to make better choices. Okay. So, so talking about being perfect, I, I originally heard about you on NPR. How much waste do you generate in a year? Well, I ran an experiment to see how little waste I could produce. And for two years, I did it for two years. And through that time, I was generating eight ounces a year. How in the hell you do it? 
Well, I mean, you know, don't tell me you eat out because now we know that the restaurants are, are just, they're, they're probably one of the worst offenders for ta- yeah, throwing out things, right? And that's one of the problems I had with collecting my trash was that it doesn't account for anything in the waste upstream. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't account for waste that I don't see. Right. And I didn't want it to discourage anyone because I live in the Bay Area, California, and I have access to awesome, awesome package-free food. And it's so easy for me to, you know, take a train to the grocery store. And yeah, that takes like 30, 40 minutes, but I can go there. I can buy pretty much all my groceries package-free, and then I just hop on the train and I come back. It's it's not, it's not uh, difficult. And a lot of people don't have access to the same level of package-free food I do. And this is what I try to tell people is, guess what? The food in the bulk bins that I'm buying came in a package. Like, I'm just not seeing the package. And so I don't want people to feel bad because they they have to buy their food in a package. And it's not like I'm some superstar or I'm doing anything crazy revolutionary. I just think, like you said, it's about being more conscious. And so I just hope that I can equip people to be more conscious. And I try not to focus on the trash jar so much anymore. Right, right. Yeah, actually, it's uh, funny um, when you talk about that as well, because uh, one of my first podcast guests was Lear Keith, who's the author of The Vegetarian Myth. And she tells this story in her book about uh, trying to raise lettuce that is cruelty free, and or some kind of greens, you know, that's cruelty free. And so she, but the problem is she keeps getting these slugs and the slugs keep coming and eating her vegetables at night. So one night, you know, like dead in the middle of the night, two, three o'clock in the morning, she goes out, collects all the slugs in a jar and then drives them out to the forest (laughs) and, and dumps them at the base of a tree. And when she wakes up in the morning, all of her vegetables are full of snails and slugs again so (laughs) so then she goes to the supermarket and you know starts she you know finds whatever natural market it was and finds this you know just raised right head of lettuce and she walks out and she's really triumphant and she's like yes i finally got my cruelty free lettuce and then she's like who the am i kidding (laughs) you know because she realizes that um you know, there's there, somebody, you know, even though she's not seeing it, like you say, somebody took care of the slug problem or whatever with, by whatever means necessary to bring it to the supermarket. So, and, and that was, I think, you know, part of her kind of dismantling of, you know, her th- thought pattern was like, okay, I can't be so obsessive about this. You know, this is like, you know, at, at some point you have to just live your life. Yep. I I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Um, So, you know, because I don't, I I like to, I'm not uh, definitely not zero waste, but you know, I'm trying to be conscious. Um, One of the issues we have here is we have loads of farmers markets four of them on Saturday alone. And many of the vendors, they prepackage their stuff, you know, a little spinach or or mushrooms or what have you by weight. And it's, you know, it's, it's bagged up already. And, you know, I can't, even if I reject the bag, they're not allowed by county health code to reuse that bag. So it still ends up in the landfill is, is, are there creative ways that we can 
use this stuff again, you know, like, I, I mean, I'll sometimes use it, you say, as a waste paper basket, you know, near my bed, um, or in the bathroom or in the kitchen or, or what have you. But, you know, are, are there some other creative ways that we can uh, repurpose these before they hit the landfill? That's really interesting. Because uh, at my farmer's market, you know, oh, like the strawberry punnets that you typically buy strawberries in, like, yeah, they'll, yeah, reuse, yeah. they'll reuse those. Yeah, there's, there's, they've they got all these wacky laws here in Hawaii that, that seem to encourage more waste. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm not really the person you talk to about upcycling. That's not really my area of expertise. I'm not an upcycler. No, uh, I'm not super crafty, <laughs> but I would, I would talk to them. I would see, I would show them examples of other farmer, farmer's markets that do it without that. And then see if they have an option because I know where I go, they have the option of the prepack, but they also have the loose so that way you can grab what you want. Right, right. Yeah. So and- I would just talk to them and see if maybe they can change. Yeah, That'd be it, my suggestion. yeah, it may be uh, also partially uh, getting involved more in government and, oh, you know, and, and changing those those rules um, to allow them to, you know, switch. And, you know, maybe it is going to paper bags for some of them. I know, am with, a with huge some... proponent in and uh, people who care about the environment or really care about anything about the about getting involved in local government. Right, right. Unfortunately, so much of, of government is corrupt. And, uh, you know, the good players, we just saw that with our, our recent elections here in Hawaii, not one progressive got into office. And there's, you know, because Hawaii is considered a, a progressive state, uh, many people who want to be involved in government, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that none of them are on the take, <laughs> put it that way. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of them, they will hide their affiliation. And, you know, say that they're progressives and that they're for this. And then as soon as they get into office, they vote for anything other than our environment and small business and, you know, local people, Hmm. which is really um, tragic. Uh, But, you know, we could talk off air about other things. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to put another target on my back. I already have one. Uh, (laughs) Gotten a few threats this past season. Um, In any case, uh, let's see. So, you know, one of the things that I thought was really cool on your website is you, because I've been trying to do this since my kids were born. Uh, I remember specifically going to a friend's house and she had five little girls and one of them was taking a, and she, she was, you know, good woman, like not, you know, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for in English? It's like a, a very, um, just, you know, good natured, not wasteful, you know, very pragmatic, you know, about a lot of things. But her daughter is taking a box of tissues and she's playing you know she's like she's putting her doll to sleep and she's making a bed of tissues and it's just like one i'm just watching this it's like one tissue after another tissue after another tissue coming out and so of course my daughter sees this and now she's got this thing about tissues and you know just creating you know more waste at least when i think of tissues i think of something that okay that that could break down you know i could stick that in my compost pile whatever uh but still it's a challenge, isn't it? You know, kids love to waste water, right? How, how often, you know, kids can't stand to take a bath, but they love to wash their hands for forever, like when they don't need to wash their hands, at least. Um, you know, they like to, to um, you know, play with their paintbrushes in the sink or what have you. How, how What are some of the tips that parents can um, 
use to get their kids on board with going zero waste? I am not a parent, so <laughs> I don't feel overly qualified to tell anyone who has children how to how what to do. But I think it's important to bring them into nature and to show them what they're protecting and just tell them and explain it to them and tell them why Mm -hmm. we do things that we do, like why we don't want to waste and why. And it will probably take a little bit of time to sink in. But I I do think it's really important to spend time in nature with your children. Right, right. Yeah, we do a lot of that. And it's like, it's good when we're there. And they're like, you know, like, I wouldn't say there's tears rolling down their face. But you know, they get a little sentimental. And then we go out and they're like, Mom, can I buy a water? And I'm like, where's your water bottle? You know, (laughs) what's we just talked about this, like what's going on? Um, Yeah, it doesn't always translate, unfortunately, at least not with my kids. Um, But no, that's, it's definitely you know, good to show them. And it's one of those, I think it's one of those lessons that if anything, maybe it carries forward to when they see other people, you know, really being wasteful or when they get older, they begin to appreciate. So um, what are some of the, uh, you had one really interesting story that I wanted to touch upon, which was your experiment with tiny home living. <laughs> and, and, and it really makes me think that um just uh, you know just kind of giving you my first impression off the bat which is that i think a lot of us we romanticize this idea of like oh i'm only gonna have 10 pieces of clothes and it's gonna be good i'm gonna have all this space you know it's like very minimalist lifestyle talk to us about the tiny home experiment <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree with you because I thought I was going to love tiny home living. And granted, my tiny home experiment was a little different than most. I knew that I wasn't going to be doing it permanently. And I wanted to hold on to a lot of my belongings that Mm. I owned. And so the space wasn't optimized as well as it could be, which is part of the reason it didn't work out. Also, it wasn't like a nice new tiny home with an open floor plan and large windows and an actual kitchen and a living space and a sleeping space. It was built in like the 1920s and it was this like one studio bungalow that was 325 square feet and it was laid out so poorly. There were three very small windows in the whole place and living there with my husband and a 50 pound dog just was too much. And we did it in our first year of marriage. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, yeah, it was a trial and it was an experiment and it's not that I want a giant house by any stretch of the imagination. We are very comfortable when we are living in our two bedroom, 800 square foot bungalow, Right. but my husband was in school and we didn't want to go into debt. So we moved into the tiny home to uh, allow him to finish his degree without, you know, having to take out any loans. Right. And so for that reason, it was absolutely amazing. It was really easy to clean, which was nice, (laughs) but it definitely taught me a lot of lessons about how much you need to live. And sometimes, and it's, and it's okay. And it's totally okay to not feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing it perfectly or I'm not doing it how people want me to do it. It's like, no, I'm doing what I need and I need a little bit larger space. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I, I uh, we bought a home last year, and uh, in the process, there was a house that had 
a tiny home in the back and it was basically a trailer um not not unlike uh what was that that show with jane fonda and uh lily tomlin where uh, uh, you know what i'm talking about on netflix it's um yeah uh, i'm dr- totally drawing a blank but yeah you know their their uh their husbands decide to go go off and get married to one another and so the the one son has lives in a tiny home so it was that kind of a trailer deal and it it was abysmal <laughs> this place <laughs> It's really quite quite dreadful. Um, it wasn't nice like on TV, you know. <laughs> it didn't make it like that. Um, you know, it had. I, I think the, the person who slapped it together, and I'm, and I, yes, it was slapped together. Um, you know, it just had like linoleum peeling up, and Ugh. it was just it was cramped as all get out. And like you know, even as for one person, I I'm not even claustrophobic, and I was claustrophobic in there. Uh, and not to mention we're in the tropics, so. Even though this town tends to be very cool, it was sweltering in this place. Um, the one thing I would say is that it probably did get decent light, at least in the, the one like breakfast nook. Uh, but, um, you know, similar to, I guess, what you were saying on your blog is that you don't necessarily get that differentiation of space. So mm-hmm. it, it does it did it feel a little prison like after a while where it's like you know you're going to the bathroom and brushing your teeth and you know like stirring <laughs> eggs on the, the on the stove at the same time like what's going on I mean it was 325 is big enough that we had like a defined bathroom and a defined kitchen right. but we did not have like a defined living space and sleeping space right or in like working space so for me since I work from home you know, I basically, my, the bed was my desk mm. and the bed was also like where we like watched, you know, like with the couch where we like watched TV or like played a game or like talked and like, it was just really, really difficult to basically, did you see, you know, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory that movie, right, right. you know, like how the parents are just like lying in bed all the time. Yeah, <laughs> That's like what I felt like. <laughs> Oh man. But what what did it teach you about like the, the, did you find that as, I guess, as an extension of your zero waste lifestyle? Did you think that you were going to, you know, save on energy, save on, on, um, you know, consumables? Uh, because I think that some, for some people, and correct me if, if you don't, see it this way but i think for some people they see that you know the kind of downsizing living small you know not having more than owning more than 50 items or whatever the threshold is and they see it as this you know hyper efficiency but again sort of what we were saying before about you know you're paying for it on the other side they aren't eating at home so they're going to restaurants all the time or you know what i mean they're they're consuming more single-use items now because absolutely. they're trying to keep stuff out of the house. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely uh, there was the lore of tiny home living because yeah, downsizing, minimizing possessions, consuming less resources. Like I was excited about all that, but you were totally right. When your bed is your desk and couch and everything and you never leave, you definitely want to get out of the house. I mean, as a downside for us, since we were doing it to save money, we didn't couldn't really afford to go out <laughs> to eat. But we, I mean- I mean, I guess that's one plus is that I would go on like two hour walks every day, which mm. was with my dog, which was really nice. But I mean, definitely anytime during the weekend, I was like, can we please just like go out to eat? And we'd like sit at a cafe for a couple hours because it was just so hard to be in the house. Right. 
Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Makes you think a lot about how people live in other parts of the world too, um, where that that size, you know, is is probably a luxury even for some people. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, 325 for all intents and purposes, like I'm thinking, you know, 10 by 10 room, you know, make that three. Yeah, that's, you know, it's not horrible, horrible. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, yeah, if things got, if things got really bad, I mean, like it's, it was definitely, I would want to be there. But once my husband got a job, um, you know, a full-time job after he graduated, then it definitely was very exciting to move into a larger space and have natural light. And you wake up and we got a couch and we got a second hand, but we got a couch. And I'm telling you, I cried for like three days. Like every time I saw the couch, I would just get really teary because I was like, I'm just so happy to have a couch and like a place to work. And it definitely makes you appreciate what you have. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I, I don't know if you know, uh, uh, PBS had done some uh, like historical um, reality shows. And uh, there was one that was set in the Edwardian era. So, you know, know, turn of the 19th into 20th century. Are you talking about the Victorian slum house? No. Oh, okay. No. I love that show. (laughs) I'm going to have to look at uh, that one. I I was uh, thinking of Manor House. And, um, and so it's this, you know, they recreate this British manor and they have the guy who actually was descended. He was the butler on the show, but he was also descended from a butler in real life from that era. And so he kind of, he was an older guy and he understood like what the rules were like. And, you know, he totally was, you know, like lived that part of the show. But, um, when they brought in, especially the younger staff members for this manor, uh, it just, they went through scullery maids, like, I think they went through about three or four before they settled <laughs> on one because they kept quitting because it was so hard to, to live like that. And, um, the one of them, I think, I want to say she didn't even last a day. And, uh, when they visited her at the end of the show, they said, you know, like, you know, how did it change you? She's like, well, I don't waste paper as much at work. Like, even just that, that little brief couple of hours she was there, she realized how much you know, at, at her regular desk job as a, as an administrative assistant or whatever, how much paper people were wasting, you know, just going through the copier all the time. And uh, like, it just made her that much more aware. So I, I totally get it. Um, when you talk about, you know, that experience, I can imagine after a year of doing that, uh, you know, how that changes your mindset and, and shifts you, uh, towards gratitude. Absolutely. So t- tell me, um, I'm going to let you go soon, but um, tell me a little bit about the money saving aspect of this. Um, you know, yes. how- <laughs> that's one of the best parts about, about this. And actually a, a reason, one of the main reasons that I really got into zero waste living was for, for the financial aspect. So like I said, I, I had my, I started doing, making a lot of lifestyle changes in my twenties and I majored in musical theater. I was a professional actor and we all know that professional actors do not make a lot of money. Right. I believe I was making around $250 a week. So, wow. Yeah. I was not making much money at all. And so thankfully, I mean, I lived in after housing, so at least housing was taken care of. But Good. I made a lot of these changes out of financial necessity because I promise you will save so much money. Just being a conscious consumer and really examining what you need and will immediately drastically cut so many of your purchases. You'll be saving a lot. I 
say that you should wait 30 days before purchasing anything to make sure that you really need it. Mm-hmm. And most of the time after 30 days, you kind of forget about it. And you're like, oh, I don't really need it. Sometimes just overnight. You know, there's like, especially totally. now that we can buy things online so easily. Sometimes I'm just like, you know what? If I'm thinking about this in the morning, then I probably, you know, need it. And I might even wait a little longer than that. But sometimes it's just like that in that moment, you know, there's something else that you're trying to feed. And, and for some reason, we've used shopping as a surrogate for, you know, getting other, you know, forms of love or whatever it is that we're looking for in life. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, uh, I think it's very easy to, uh, fall into that trap of, of buying things, um, and even with uh, food, you know, uh, the, the GMO lobby, they, they love to talk about how, you know, organics is too expensive and you can't afford it. And, you know, just eat this stuff instead. But, you know, everybody that I know who's gone organic uh, has ended up saving money. Or you know, when, And when I say go organic, I'm not talking about buying organic Cheerios. I'm talking about just, you know, eating you know, more direct from farmer's markets and and things like that. And they're always shocked that they actually have money at the end of the month. And I'm like, yeah, because you were buying a a bunch of crap, like you were eating unconsciously before. You didn't know that you were, you didn't realize you were spending $20 a day at a vending machine or whatever, you know what I mean? Like these convenience items that we, that we often uh, purchase because we're not conscious of it. Um. Yeah, that's a huge place that I've saved money because I would buy, you know, I mean, I, I still bought processed foods and like I love Pop-Tarts and, <laughs> you know, I would buy a box of Pop-Tarts as a treat for myself. But like a box of Pop-Tarts costs like $5 and it's only like eight Pop-Tarts. So you can go through that easily in like five days. And right. so it, that like money doesn't not make any sense for $5. You can, you can buy an, or like, I can go to the farmer's market and I can buy an organic pack of berries. I can buy like two pounds of or three pounds of oats and have breakfast for like, you know, two weeks, you know, it's right. just, you have to completely break down how you view food and start gaining or eating the majority of fresh produce, like what you're saying. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and even when it comes to meat, because what a lot of people don't realize is that when they get enough of the, you know, like pre structured protein in their bodies, a lot of the other cravings go away. So you're not, you know, so it's not like you're adding this on top of stuff. It's like, no, it, this becomes kind of like your mainstay. And then every once in a while, you know, you want it, you know, whether it's a glass of whiskey or, you know, a pop tart, you know, like, yeah, you know, that might happen too. Uh, but, um, I think the way that many of us eat today, it's, it's so, you know, just kind of on the go and, and without much care or thought put into it we really don't realize how much money we burn through. Um, I, I had a neighbor uh, here who, you know, just for feeding my family, we would spend the same amount on money, her feeding herself and me feeding a family of four because she would eat out and, you know, like she wouldn't even make her own coffee. Like <laughs> everything had to be, you know, she would go somewhere and, and, and get, you know, three or four, you know, not, not just regular coffee either. It was always, you know, the, the extra whatever latte with this and that, you know, syrup and whipped cream and all this other stuff added on top of it. So, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it's like, Hmm, well, you know, that's gonna, that's kind of pricey. And, and then she'd be like, Oh man, Hawaii's so expensive. I'm like, no, it's not You're like, really? <laughs> it's not. So I started taking her to the mar- markets with me and she started to realize, 
oh, it's this is a lot cheaper than if I go to the supermarket. And I was like, yeah, it really is. You know, it's and you're putting the money directly into your neighbor's pocket, you know, as opposed to going to a, a supermarket where I mean, I could go on a on a big tangent on that, you know, just, <laughs> but, um, you know, but sending it off Island, even, you know, in, in many cases, you know, the, these companies are, they're not, most of them are not even Hawaii owned. And so the money's not even going, you know, yeah, they might make, you know, $10 an hour for working there, but look, if you can just give them the $10 directly, that's, that's way better. Absolutely. I totally agree. And other ways I've saved money is I've swapped out all disposable products for reusable products. Mm. And if you think about everything you throw away, you're paying for trash. Like that's money. And so tissues, paper towels, right. plastic wrap, aluminum foil, all those things that you throw away, that's th- just throwing away money. Yeah. I, you know, I keep a couple of paper towels and, and tissues around for backup, you know, because a, a handkerchief doesn't always work for everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, the, you know, same thing with paper towels. But what, dri- what does drive me nuts is every time there's like the littlest spill, my family pulls out a paper towel. I'm like, there is a sponge right here. There's, you know, I've got like other cloths that are good for that, you know, and, and I'm constantly like recycling it. And one of the things that I'm doing right now is I'm building, we have a half acre, but it's, it's completely undeveloped. And so I'm building soil and what I'm doing is I'm collecting people's old cardboard boxes and you know, we have some fallen trees, uh, but other than those fallen trees, it's, it's barren. It's just, it's rock essentially. Um, and yeah, I'm just building soil made out of paper boxes and, you know, cardboard boxes and, and stuff like that. So people think that paper towels is a really hard habit to kick, but I promise just, just, uh, stop buying them and just, tell everyone where the towels are and they'll start using them. And before long, you'll not even, you won't even notice a difference and you'll be like, why, why did I have paper towels in the first place? Okay. Now, okay. We don't use them. And I know, I don't notice any difference. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, for me, I don't know. Like, like I said, I use one, maybe one a month, like those little third size ones. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's the rest of the family. And, and there's usually something that I've rationalized in my head that <laughs> makes sense. But now I'm, I'm going to accept your challenge. I think, I think yeah, this try is, it. I'm going to, I'm well, going to try it. Hide them, hide all the paper towels and see, if, <laughs> see what your family does. <laughs> They're going to lose it. <laughs> I can see it now. Mommy, where's the paper towels? I need one. And then you just say the rags are right there in the drawer. You know, what will happen is they'll start using the toilet paper. Guarantee Ew. What? I, I guarantee you some, one of those schmucks is going to decide <laughs> that, the, that the toilet paper is, you know, because, yeah, you know, like spill something on the floor. Toilet paper. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, not use toilet paper. Come on. <laughs> no, I know. But still, like, toilet paper doesn't absorb moisture in the same way a paper towel does. True. It. Well, it does. True. It'll just, like, fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much for talking with us. Um, before we leave, you have any other um, eco-friendly tips on, on, on um, you know, places where people can, can make some fairly easy swaps? Of course. You can head to my website, which is goingzerowaste.com. You can also find me on Instagram, which is going.zero.waste. It's also linked through my website. I post there almost daily, and I do a ton of stories with lots of daily life tips and advice. 
And I have a book coming out, which you can pre-order on Amazon, which is 101 Ways to Go Zero Waste. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for talking with us today. And uh, best of luck to you. Yes, thank you for having me. All right, great. Bye-bye. The Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean. And our operations manager is Michelle Med. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at the new and improved nutritionheretic.com, where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. (laughs) 